Welcome to another episode of Comedy Wham Presents with me, your host, Valerie, and sometime co-host, Ms. Purrington. ComedyWham.com is your place to go for features about all Austin comedy. You can keep up with us on Twitter and Instagram at ComedyWham or on our Comedy Wham Facebook page. In addition to podcasts, Comedy Wham brings you articles, album reviews, our monthly Comedy Wham showcase at Hops in Time in Lakeway, and the next one is Tuesday, January 4th. And as we approach our sixth anniversary and my personal 200th interview, I'm excited to announce that on Wednesday, January 19th, we're taking the podcast live to Fallout Theater for an anniversary chat with my good friends Brendan K. O'Grady and Duncan Carson of Sure Thing Records. And have you checked out our newly renovated events page for the live shows in Austin and Houston? If you're a comic uh, in those cities and want your show featured on the calendar, go to the events page and click Submit a show to complete the short survey. If you like the new survey, shoot us a quick review and we'll share your review and promo your show on Instagram. We've joined the Patreon bandwagon. Search for Comedy Wham on Patreon and check out the ways that you can support what we do at Comedy Wham. We've got some fun treats for subscribers. Oh, and you can PayPal or Venmo us too. Now let's get back to our podcast. Launched in 2016, the podcast project brings you funny people and their stories. As a fan, I like to delve into a comic's background and motivations, and we usually take a detour along the way. Consider the interview a way for you to get to know the folks that make the Austin comedy scene one of the best in the country. If you like this podcast, please rate and review us. Today, we are talking to a recent transplant from L.A. to Austin. There's a lot of those these days. Uh, He graduated from the L.A. comedy store door guy status to a spot on David Spade's Lights Out. And things kind of became a whirlwind after that. And my first time seeing him was actually on a home base show at the Paramount State side. And we've been uh, very fast friends. And I say we because my son is a, a big fan of his as well. And he is definitely one of our favorite new comics in Austin. And now Comedy Wham presents our guest, Dylan Sullivan. <laughs> Hello. Hey. Thank you for having me on. <laughs> yes, welcome. Thanks for making <laughs> the trek out. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, Let's uh, let's get started with my icebreaker question, okay. and then we'll go from there. So it's one word to describe your past. Ooh, um, uh, typical. <laughs> typical. Okay, I would not expect that from you. <laughs> yeah. You uh, you didn't grow up in Texas, but you didn't grow up in L.A. Where where did you grow up? So I was born in San Antonio, and it's been oh. about five years. Here. Oh wow! Okay, I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah, yeah. My uh, my mom's side is all here, so uh-huh. I lived in San Antonio and then Bernie for a little bit, ah. and then but most of my childhood was in uh, Aurora, Colorado. Okay, that's where I grew up the most. Yeah. yeah. Do Do you remember your childhood as being a funny childhood? Do you have any memories of growing up that are funny to you? The first time. I ever remember um, being funny was unintentional. Uh-huh. My parents, they were they went to Vegas and they went to this um, this magic show, and the magician. I don't know how old I was at the time. I was like four or five, and the magician like wanted me to hold this um, fish tank, uh-huh. and so that the audience could see it. But I kept on holding it. Uh, my hands in front of what the audience could see. So he kept on trying. He's like, oh, no, not like this, like this. And I kept covering it <laughs> in different ways. And 
people started laughing and I was wondering why, but it was just like, I just uh-huh. didn't understand what he, <laughs> what he meant. But then a bunch of people started laughing. So that was the yeah. first time I remember. It's, it's funny that that is a, like a memory. Cause like at four or five, you don't remember a whole ton. Usually. Right. Right. Yeah. It was just a little snippet of it. So I think, yeah, I think that was the first time I remember. Yeah. Was traditional comedy in the sense of stand-up or funny shows that, that you watch, was that something that was part of, of your life growing up? Um, yeah, yeah. I would listen to um, Brian Regan a lot. Um, that was actually one of the first. And then I went to the show of The Amazing Jonathan, also like a Vegas thing. Okay. And uh, he's part magician, part comedian. Uh-huh. And then um, as I got a little bit older, I would like... Uh, listen to Dane Cook um, uh, without my parents' permission. Like, all mm. my, my older brother and my cousins were listening to yeah. him. So that's how, you know. Yeah, because Brian Regan is known as a clean comic. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, is there were your parents particularly strict about language or were they religious? And that's why you felt like you had to kind of sneak off to listen to... They, they tried to be. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like... My brother and I were just like, no, this well, <laughs> They tried to hold the force field up as long as they could, but yeah. it didn't take long. Yeah. Yeah. And you said Aurora? Yes. So that is, uh, like, near Denver. Yeah, just outside. And there is a comedy scene in Denver. So did you figure out that there was a scene no. there? No. Okay. Um, not until much later. I... Moved to Chicago right after high school. Okay. And um, to do school there. And there was like a school um, talent show, open mic sort of thing. Mm-hmm. We just thought it would be fun to go to. Um, and that was when I was like 18 maybe. And that was the first time I went up and I didn't know what to do. So I went up there and pretended to be like, did an impression of like a a drunk woman kind of thing. <laughs> and I think it was pretty bad, but I got a couple, got a couple of, I, I just remember the mic just being like, uh, here's a guy with a, who, who wore a like seven up box where you canister and pretended to be a dinosaur. And yeah, so that was, that was my first mic, I guess you would yeah. say. And you had, you, if, if I did my research right, um, you went to school to study film. Right. And before then, had you performed at all? Um, my, my last year of high school, um, I started uh, doing theater. Okay. Uh, I, I, before then, I was like football and sports, and then it just wasn't for me, so I moved mm-hmm. over to theater. And then the main thing was, there's this competition they had called Mr. Grandview, and it was like a talent competition for guys. And um, I won that by like trying to be funny. So that was like one. Of, those are the ones I. I that's a memory I go back to a lot. Yeah, is like how that felt because they'd like interview you, and then they had like a, you know, you did like a dance and then like all this sort of stuff so mm-hmm. i was just trying to be funny but not necessarily going into it um like as, as a stand-up or anything and why why is it a memory that you go back to it's one of the first times like i guess when i was cognizant of it of being like 
funny in front of an audience. Hmm. That was, you know, felt the, good. This is this is such a weird uh, thing to be envisioning as, as you're telling me that. Have you seen Requiem for a Dream? Yeah, it's one of my favorites. So I'm thinking that you got that fix and then, you know, they loop into the, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the spoon bubbling over. And that was like, that's yeah. why you go back to it because you are you got that high. Got yeah, that exactly. High. <laughs> yeah, my, like, my fantasies of a red dress on television. <laughs> just going psychotic in the suburban. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, Typical. Yeah. Typical. Yeah. When you when you graduated high school and you were headed off to Chicago, what was your vision for why you were pursuing a film degree? Well, I just I loved movies and my dad was also a big movie guy and I just wanted to do something creative and then um I also just wanted to get out of my mm. my town a little bit, you know? Yeah. Um try something new. And also, I had terrible grades, and that was like uh. the only school that I was accepted oh. to. Because I and later I found out it was just because they're like a for profit. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I got that welcome packet, and I was like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> and I had like maybe like a one nine GPA. Oh I my barely... god, Dylan. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Had... As a parent, yeah, that is terrible. It, it was awful. <laughs> it was very bad. I tr- I just couldn't do it. I, I did everything but get good grades. So, like, I graduated high school early, and the way to do that huh. was to take classes at, like, online courses at BYU. Ah. So I did, like, online, and then, like, internships and stuff. So I just tried to cheat the system <laughs> in any way I could to, like, to get out. <laughs> Because <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't, I don't know if Colorado is like this, but you mentioned that you did sports, and I think in Texas, like you have to have a minimum GPA to be able to compete mm-hmm. in sports. So, oh, it was to- the same sort of thing. I was always on like probation or like, <laughs> but like uh, fortunately for me, my my teachers liked me. They just uh, didn't like you know that I was a bad student. Yeah. So I leveraged that a lot. Yeah. You yeah. know, enabled to kind of. That was my skill in high school, or my my survival mode yeah. was uh, <laughs> getting people to act against their own, <laughs> <laughs> against the rules because you're so likable. Yeah. 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 Um, Aurora is a suburb of Denver, so I can't, I wouldn't classify it as a small town. But moving to Chicago, that had to have been a little bit of a culture shock. Oh um, yeah. Were you like in the heart of of Chicago? Yeah, the the South Loop, and okay. so yeah, right downtown, and it was uh, a big culture shock. But I was ready for it. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to just meet new people and and uh, get out there. Felt like, and then going to like a, a liberal art, art school was um, pretty opposite of what I had. Like my friend groups in hmm. in high school, I would I would I'd move around to like many friend groups, but the it was all pretty new when yeah. I moved over there. Okay, so you're in Chicago. You're doing a film school mm. degree. You've had bad grades in the past. Do you start to shine with this film school? <clears throat> yes, um, I got I got good grades in college. I think I went out of there. Or at least good for me. I got like I went out of there with like a three six three seven oh. sort of thing, but it was also you know project based. So um, yeah, it started to, to click once mm-hmm. I went there, and 
I felt for the first time I had like some sort of independence and yeah. um, that also helped. Yeah. And it was stuff that I liked to do. So at this point, is doing stand-up on your radar yet? Because you're in one of the like amazing comedy cities of the country. I mean, people talk L.A. and New York, and yeah, we'll get to the L.A. part, but I mean, Second City is a big part yeah. of the scene, and there is a stand-up scene. It was still very much in the back of my head when I went to go see the school before I actually accepted. Mm -hmm. I, I went out there alone, and I stayed at a hostel, and there wasn't a lot I could do in terms of or just, I didn't know. Yeah. Um, but there was a show at um, IO, uh, Improv Olympics. And at the time, it was in this neighborhood, Wrigleyville. And I went to a show because it was like five bucks and it was something I could do being 18. Yeah. And uh, I just, I was so amazed by how huh. funny they were. And like, oh my God, how do they do that sort of thing? That, that, I was like, oh, that, that was part of the reason that I wanted to go there. But I, I didn't necessarily, for that, I was just like, oh, what a cool thing to, like, be able to do. Mm -hmm. I'm out in the city by myself. Yeah. <laughs> have my own seat. Yeah. <laughs> you know, really, yeah, but, um, over those years, I would, then I started to do mics, like, later on in, in college, but very sporadically, like, once every three months or mm. so. So I didn't really understand the scene. I just know that knew that I liked being funny and the approval of others. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And how did that first mic go for you? And how did you prepare getting getting to it? Well, the first mic was that one with the dinosaur box guy. And I was just like, ah, oh, this would be silly if I just acted like it. And then... And then I did a joke that I totally ripped off, like a oh, a, a YouTube, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, a, and it it like didn't work, and I was like, oh shoot. Um, so I I guess I went into like with some basic plan, but that that was like the first one, and then um, I don't know. I would just think of like, oh, wouldn't it be funny if I if I did this or. Wouldn't it be funny if I acted like a drunk lady or, you know, whatever. Yeah. You know. So I didn't really have, like, a uh, a wealth of material mm -hmm. that I drew from or anything like Yeah. That. Yeah. So you go back a few times every, you know, few months, and you're still working on your film, and now you're starting to face a graduation mm -hmm. date. What's... What what are you thinking about doing? Well, I originally moved to L.A. for film internships. Mm -hmm. um, so they had like a semester. You could do semesters. So I was like, oh, I'll do a semester in L.A. And uh, when I went there, I did a bunch of film internships that were really fun, but they're very high pressure and mm -hmm. um, very that world, yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, so after those internships, there was this ad for someone who needed an assistant and I needed work. Um, and so I was like, oh, I'll apply to that. And then they asked me to send in a funny video of myself of like a personal resume. Yeah. And then it was, um, it was for Pauly Shore. So, so I, so, so 
<laughs> and I didn't, I didn't know. <laughs> what was it in the back of like a the Chronicle or the Craigslist ads? <laughs> Pretty much. And it was so funny because at the time, Polly, I didn't really know what the comedy store was. But he's like, yeah, my office is at the comedy store. And it was like the top level of the comedy store. Uh-huh. And it was just really, I went in there. And how he would set it up is he would have someone, he, timing-wise, he would schedule it. So when you came in, someone else was uh, up auditioning or applying for the job in front of you. Yeah. <laughs> Some weird, <laughs> like, psychological yeah. sort of thing. And so I was waiting up there in the office for this <laughs> other guy to hope, get the job or whatever. And Pauly Shore came out, and he's like, "Ah, oh, like, just take a seat over it, you know? And then he's, he, uh, I remember because he just, he grabbed a handful of just wet carrots, and he said, <laughs> and, like, put some nuts on a plate, and he's like, here, here's a snack. <laughs> but I just remember him putting a handful of wet carrots on, like, the desk. Oh, like, my God. <laughs> yeah. He's, like, putting you through, like, the whole psychological, like, he, there's a psychological reason for everything he's doing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And I didn't know who this guy was. I was like, who are you? Who the fuck is this guy? Because you're probably too young to realize who he is. Yeah. Or much less the history that he has. Right. And then later on, really figuring out, like, how, (laughs) you know, like, his his role and everything. So, um, yeah, that's that's how I got started. And once um, he he hired me on. Wait, no, no, wait. Okay. Okay. So, we I mean... How so? Did he tell you why he chose you? He he thought I was funny, I guess. Huh? <laughs> and and just like he's like, yeah, oh, yeah, you're like fat and gay, you're like a chubby <laughs> gay guy, and <laughs> yeah, that's pretty funny. But <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, I guess, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so I guess he likes me and. You know, I was all wide-eyed and, yeah. you know, all that stuff. Yeah, so. <laughs> you probably appreciated yeah. you know, that innocence <laughs> and yeah. the likability. I'm yeah. sure that came through. Yeah, yeah. You know? I, well, I, I was just really excited to, because I, I didn't really know much about comedy, yeah. but I had done like these old mics. I was like, oh, you know. Um, so, yeah, he, he hired me, and then I would do, like, it was definitely not, like, <laughs> you know, a job with, like, a human resources <laughs> I get calls from him about like one in the morning. He's like, hey, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, like, uh, yeah, just in bed. <laughs> he's like, oh, he just asked me this random question. I had no idea. But uh, he he would invite me to like these dinners, and I start to meet like writers and stuff. But I I wasn't funny at all. And uh, the first time um, he. Uh, he was like, "Oh yeah, I'll get you on potluck," which was oh. Monday, which was the thing that um, uh, the, the talent coordinator watches usually. I had no idea who these people were, and I thought I was funny because I got hired by Polly Short. <laughs> so I went there. <laughs> like, I don't know, a few months into comedy, and uh, just bombed so bad. I did like a stupid joke about like. How GPSs ruin songs or something. <laughs> and something about mosquitoes. And it, I just tanked. And there was like three people in the audience and they were British. And it just, 
didn't go well. And I did so bad that uh, I was like, I vowed to not try to sign up for this mic until I feel good, which was a few years after that. Huh. Or good enough to try. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, so serving as the assistant, you probably by now have been doing research on what the comedy store is and how it works. And are you taking advantage of that by starting to watch like all of the shows that are there? Yeah. And at the time, Polly Shore was, had written or was in the process of writing a book about his life. And how it pertained to the comedy store. So mm-hmm. I learned all about that. And uh, there was like, he was doing documentary stuff too. So I'd go through all these old clips of like Sam Kinison and, and all these people who I didn't know at the time. Yeah. You know, just because I wasn't in that world yet. And uh, just like fascinating to, it was, it was all new and it's like, oh my gosh, this place was crazy. Yeah. Cause I just knew all of that world from, Polly Shore talking about wet carrots and you know, like <laughs> I would like type up he would have these thoughts throughout the day he, he on his voice memo he'd be like you know like ah oh, but Trump's weird because you know blah, 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 blah. and he would literally do that you go ba 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 punchline <laughs> or you know huh. and so I'd type it I'd try to type out these thoughts <laughs> <laughs> and I was like there's no way. These are going to work. But then I'd go with him to his shows, and they would just murder. And I was like, I'm looking at what's written down on the page, and then I'm, like, hearing the audience, and I'm like, what is going on? Yeah. (laughs) Because I had no idea, like, um, how jokes worked either at that point. And and while he was working, you know, he knew how they all fit together and how Mm -hmm. to get someone to laugh. So Yeah. Yeah. So you're unintentionally studying the the craft of writing, but also how delivery actually works to take something that on paper makes no sense, shouldn't mm-hmm. be funny. Right. And then with the right delivery, it slays a room. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm curious if you ever uh, got to actually really studying, or if you just, just kept absorbing all of this data and then it started just kind of osmosis- infiltrate into you well after that is when i mean he he was really reason why i got interested in the first place and then i had to go to chicago for one last semester to finish school Mm -hmm. so it was during that point where i would like really dive into it i was trying Mm -hmm. to find every like theory and everything in, in the library and like you know freud and and all these like theories on humor and then um i was like trying to look into linguistics and like psychology and that sort of thing yeah so that's when i really dove in and then there's like the comedy bible by judy i forget her last name but um but a bunch of different that's when i really dove into it and mm-hmm. that time steve martin just came out with like a master class on like comedy so uh-huh. that was like my real i didn't give a shit about school at that point because <laughs> i was like i'm wrapping this up mm-hmm. all i gotta do and and they only required that you had like a D average. So that last semester I was really just like putting, and I put all my like, um, my like core electives, like the things that you should probably actually know in life. <laughs> and I was like, no, I'm just going to dive into comedy. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then I, and then I started doing mics in Chicago my last, you know, semester. Mm-hmm. And I was 
still very bad. <laughs> so, so some people didn't really like me much because they don't really tell you that immediately. Yeah. But it's like people don't – if you're not funny, people don't really like you until you yeah. get funny, yeah. you know. Yeah. So. Did you did you pull the card of? But I was Polly Shore's assistant. Oh, and... all the time, all, every day. <laughs> I was so just, just like inserting myself <laughs> in every possible conversation that I could. <laughs> like, I, it's all I had. Yeah. <laughs> and did you know? Because you know, c- comedy is is definitely a game. So mm. did you know that man? You just had this amazing job with Polly Shore and now you're back in Chicago. Did you know how to work like the pump so that you could stay connected to this like you know world famous guy? I was just starting to learn. I was just starting to learn that and then from my six months in LA and stuff that I learned in the film industry was like, you know, talk yourself up at all costs. Uh huh. <laughs> Even if you're untalented and yeah. underqualified, which yeah. I was <laughs> You know, yeah. So, yeah. But yeah, it, it wasn't until like, till midway through the job and after the fact that I really appreciated working for him. Mm-hmm. You know, because at first I was like, "Who the hell does this guy think he is?" <laughs> <laughs> you know, but he was <laughs> he was actually uh, a very significant person in in me even doing it. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I mean, how many people can say that? Dylan. Right, right. <laughs> Polly Shore was why I got, you know, really committed to comedy. Yeah. Oh, you liked uh, whatever movie? Oh, Biodome? <laughs> I'm Biodome, <Yeah>. bro. <laughs> you know, it's just like list his credits. <laughs> and I thought that was so funny. He was, he was like, yeah, I didn't see no man, bro. <laughs> and I was like amazed because he would... Dude, he did a talk at like a college and he's like, Hey, uh, I'm doing a talk at this college. I'm like, Oh, that sounds funny. He's like, Yeah, I need a ride. (laughs) All right. You know, I would just, a lot of my work with him was like, (laughs) I wasn't even paid for it, but I was just so Uh, fascinated by that point. I'd gotten like the bug that I was just like, hang out with this guy. And, and at first I was like, Ah, I hate that I'm getting paid so poorly, but it really was one of those things where, after the fact, I was like, oh, I'm really glad that yeah. I did that and that you gave me that opportunity. Yeah. And yeah. I'm sure as you reach up at the ranks in celebrity dumb, you kind of realize, you know, you can you can pay certain people shit, but you're giving them access to things that they would never otherwise have access to. Right. Which I, I, I wouldn't have. Yeah. And there's people that I met, like, I remember I would start to, because part of the poly thing is like, yeah, you know, like. Come watch shows at the comedy store, and he would get me in. He's like, "Yeah, you're all set up. You got you got a ticket, you know, and uh, for the show." And then <laughs> I'd go up and like, "Yeah, I'm Polly Shore's assistant," <laughs> and they'd be like, "Who the hell?" <laughs> no one said there's be free t- free tickets. Oh god! But I eventually talked them into it. Uh-huh. So I'd watch these shows, and I remember one time I I tried to get drinks, and then my card bounced, uh-huh. and the manager. At the time, Eric, who later I would be working, you know, I'd be working there, so I'd know more. But he's like, "Who is this this idiot <laughs> who camping for drinks?" So what I'd start doing was, I would go up when I would watch these shows. I'd go up to Polly Shore's office and I'd get drunk alone <laughs> with like some booze that I had brought to myself. And I remember one time he doesn't remember this, and 
and I wanted to bring it up to him one day, but this is when I first started comedy. I was just getting drunk alone in Polly Shore's office, and Adam Egit walked up there because I think he was trying to find Polly, and I didn't really know the significance of Adam Egit, mm-hmm. and so he just basically caught me getting trashed alone in like a dimly lit office. <laughs> and then it was and it was so passe and then later I I'd be forming relationships with these with these people when I got hired as yeah. a, a door guy. And then and then I really started to learn like their significance to everything. Yeah. Yeah. You know. So the the door guy gig, I just I have this uh this vision delusion that i have because i've gone to the comedy store i my i travel to la somewhat frequently and not since the covid stuff but uh i like to get to the comedy store and i just like to have this delusion that i must have met you because i know i've gone through you know the door guy (laughs) yeah yeah. so we may have met in the past that's just what i'm gonna yeah (laughs) yeah um how how was that hard job to get given your connection yeah it didn't mean anything because <laughs> it, <laughs> it wasn't Polly hiring the door guy no no, no it wasn't Polly. i mean it meant something in the way of like haven't i seen that fat guy <laughs> around <laughs> so so it was that you know yeah. and um how i got that job was they used to have a, a best set it's set of the night which they do sometimes on Sundays in the belly room. Mm-hmm. And if you had the best set, then you'd get a spot on potluck the next day. And Mondays were Kill Tony and and potluck. So I went up Sunday and had the best set. And then I got a message from this guy, Ari Manis. And he's like, oh, you got a spot on on Monday tomorrow. I still didn't know the significance of Adam Egit at the time. So... And I didn't know he was in the back watching, mm. you know. So I was, I went up there like, whatever. <laughs> I'll, I'll just, by that point, I had been drilled by so many bar mics and hell rooms that mm-hmm. I was just like, you know what? It's never going to work out. So I'm just going to go up there and fuck everybody. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> and then that kind of worked in my favor. And, um, still didn't know who I, I had a, a really, good set and like was set up really well and um still know who he was and then i was just like you know what and then i walked out of the room he sits on this bucket seat that's like right by the doorway and i just was like i left <laughs> nothing happened and i was like oh, i'll watch some comedy actually so i went back into the room and then the second time i left adam stopped me he was like hey uh that was a good set come by next week or whatever huh. and then and I think, <laughs> I don't know what Adam was thinking, but I think he thought I knew who he was or something, and I was just trying to, like, I, I'm above this. <laughs> you know? But it was just my own ig- ignorance. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And then uh, and then after the second time, he saw me again. Then everyone explained to me after the first time who Adam Egan was and what the job was, and, I, and then the second set was much more nervous than... <laughs> <laughs> you know. Now you knew, and the pressure was on. Right. Yeah. Right. Do you think it was a little bit of a turning point for you to have that moment where you say, "Fuck it, I'm just gonna, I don't care, I'm just absolutely, whatever. absolutely." And whenever I, I mean, it's like a fine line between like not being above caring, but yeah. but also being like the result of I, 
I'm doing everything I can, and sometimes it just won't work out. Yeah. Or sometimes it does. Yeah. 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 So. So you're getting on the on the famed potluck, mm-hmm. uh, and you're you're at the store, you know, a lot. I imagine as as the door guy, um, and you're. I mean, you can't do mics at the store all the time, obviously, because um, that is a cream of the crop type of comics. Um, are you are you spending a lot of time working on mics at other venues around L.A.? Yes, like uh, every pretty much every night is all I is all I did. You so know. you fully committed at that point. So uh, we missed the transition from Chicago to moving to L.A., but I assumed that it was driven by, okay, you've got this connection, comedy is what I want to do. Right. And so you are jumping in 100% yeah, into this. Um, what what was the, that time frame? Because we haven't really talked about, okay, this happened in, in yeah. this year. Because uh, I obviously the getting on the lights out was a huge, huge, huge boost for you. I mean, among the other boosts that you've had, right. uh, surprisingly, the um, or you know, without you necessarily knowing how how big they were until in uh, retrospect. How? Um, tell me about the time frame of you starting sure. full time in in L.A. So I initially moved to L.A. for film internships in early 2016. Okay. I do about four or five months of that. Then I get the job with Polly. Then I do a few more months. Then I go back to Chicago for maybe like three, four months again. Okay. Um, I come back probably 2017 by that point. Um, do comedy every night for or close to um, for a little over a year and a half. I get hired at the Comedy Store in October of 2018 okay then um about later on and so i'm there for a little over a year then get lights out and that brings us to january 2020 is when i do oh my god my first Ellen. like tv set <laughs> and then and then panda oh. <laughs> and then my heart just like sank for you because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. when i googled yeah. your name because i do you know, I do my research. Uh, you know, there's just so much that that happened after you got that that set. You were on everybody's podcast. Um, I'm sure you were getting into a rhythm with with your stand up at at venues, getting booked. Um, right. So, ugh. Um, how did it feel being so early into comedy and getting a TV spot? Uh, it felt amazing, and I never thought in a thousand years that I was going to get it, and um, a little intimidating. Um, I think I had a lot of support, and then a lot of people resenting mm. that, but yeah. you know, and I, I'm a person that uh, really likes being liked, you know, so that oh. that stuff like hurt me yeah. <laughs> a lot, you know, but it as much as there was those forces were the uh, forces that would be supportive and yeah. started making connections and just like friendships through mm-hmm. that way. Um, so it was all over the place and lots of highs and lots of lows. 
as anyone who does comedy yeah. understands, you know, or like that world. Yeah. You know, so I was, uh, I was thrilled and I was like, oh, this is it, Dylan. <laughs> <laughs> you made it. Later, suckers. <laughs> and then March. In March. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Hold on, son. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know. Well, comedy has a really magic way of just, um, whenever you feel you're the shit of just uh-huh. smacking you down in your yeah. place again. <laughs> like, even last night, I just sat and I was like, ah, full audience, Dylan, you're, <laughs> you're gonna kill it. You've got uh-huh. these jokes lined up. You've been working on them for years. And there's no way that <laughs> you fail. And just immediately, whenever the, that thought enters my brain, I just know I'm gonna get smacked down. Yeah. And I, that's exactly what happened. <laughs> so yeah well i the the art of of being a stand-up is knowing that you've got to get back up and you know Mm -hmm. you know you want this and so you yeah you got to face a lot of rejection yeah personally and professionally Mm -hmm. in that because there's so many times where it's like so many stories of like a manager or someone who made this tv show and they're in the room and then they love you you're hilarious and then it's like oh i Radio silence. <laughs> you know. What was the most uh, surprising thing that happened as a result of you getting that lights out spot? It was. Well, I was surprised because it was, it was great because it was a credit, but uh, I I I thought that I went into it thinking like, oh, this is it, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Welcome to the big leagues. Yeah. So that was a surprise that it, it wasn't, <laughs> it was not. Yeah. And then, but the great thing that came with it along with having like a credit was, um, I think which was more valuable was the respect of people that were above you mm-hmm. by, you know, so it, it was more about, um, you know, it didn't make a, a career for me, but it opened a lot of, doors and relationships I wouldn't have otherwise had. Yeah. So then we get the hard reality of a COVID shutdown mm-hmm. and you're in LA. You're in Austin now. Right. Was that like an immediate because your family was there, but you knew the Austin scene was, was a, was a growing one at, at the time. Now it's just yeah. out of control big. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Brian Redband was moving there and I had known him from the comedy store. I mean, he's like, if you come out here, I'll, I'll I'll help you, and mm. I just desperately wanted to, I I felt really depressed. I mean, as much as anybody else did. Yeah. Um, And I was like, you know what? I got to try new things and keep moving. Yeah. And I just felt really stagnant at the time. So I was like, oh, you know what? I'll just, I'll just move. I don't have many possessions. I didn't even have a bed. Oh, <laughs> But I have a friend who lives in Grand Junction, Colorado, and he had an extra twin mattress. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I drove to him. <laughs> drove like however, like twenty hours or whatever, <laughs> to get to him. And uh, I just have like a Honda Civic, so uh-huh. I, 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 I just I got this tarp, uh-huh. and I didn't know how to like shop for tarps either. And it was this massive tarp; it could have filled like an entire backyard. Uh-huh. And it was for this twin mattress. So I, I, I wrapped it. It must have been like 30 times. And so it was just this huge kind of ball that I just 
put on the top of my Honda Civic and like uh-huh. clamp down with those cl- yeah. crank clips or whatever. And the way I had to do it because I I just I funneled it in through my car, so I had this band with like immense pressure, like right in front of my eyes. <laughs> and then on top of that, all the windows had to be cracked open for the bands to come through. Uh-huh. And it was so cold. It was like January, and it, I remember it just being like, you know, like close to zero negative degree. I'm going uh-huh. like 80 miles an hour, and it, I'm just freezing. Uh-huh. I'm like it's, I'll get to Austin. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh so, my gosh. That was my trip over. Wow. So was this 2020 or 2021? 2021. Okay. All yeah. right. So you kind of suffered through LA shutdown mm-hmm. for you, you know another nine or so months. Yeah. And yeah. then luckily Red Band's like you know <laughs> yes yeah. dangling the Austin support. Well, the day you. the shutdown happened on the news, everything, all that I. I was, uh, friends and I were doing like acid that day and, <laughs> and it was scary enough news as it was, Yeah. but I, my mind was going like border shutdowns, you know, <laughs> like can't move state to state. Uh-huh. I got to get out today. So that's what <laughs> I did. And my, uh, my family has this cabin in Colorado. So this other comic Cooper Lydon was like, it's like, do you want to go there for like a week or two uh-huh. and see how this shakes out? And he's like, yeah. So. I drove on acid that night. I mean, not, 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 I was coming down, but I still had like thoughts of grandeur. You know, so I was, I just drove like into the night and we stayed at some place, but, and then we stayed in that cabin for like three months and it was supposed to only be a couple weeks, but it was in the middle of nowhere. And then, and then I came back and then, yeah, um, decided to move to Austin and literally, uh, the morning of January 1st, I woke up and I was like, all right, let's do this. <laughs> so first of January, I do the whole New Year's thing the night before with my roommates, see the fireworks, and yeah. then the next morning I, I leave. Wow. Wow. To get my bed. <laughs> yeah, to get your bed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what have you, so Austin was never otherwise on, on your radar. Why would it be if, you know, you're you're setting up shop and doing great things in LA what what have you found about the the LA scene sorry the Austin scene since you've gotten here well what's been amazing about it is that stereotype is true where the networking thing is a lot um not that there's not networking but like it's not um everything it doesn't feel here that everyone has a ulterior motive Mm -hmm. Which was really refreshing, and I was yeah. like, "Oh, this is great!" Because I'll just be doing comedy, and I need to develop new material, you know. And I've always been a person who loved moving around, and um, I was like, "Oh, this is you know, this seems like the perfect time." And mm-hmm. it's just like I'm going to go out there, and then um, there was a guy, Jordan Shelby, who's my roommate. He's also a comic, and mm-hmm. he was in LA as well, and. I convinced him to, <laughs> to go out, and he's like, yeah, let's do it. And then, so, uh, he, he joined me a couple weeks later. And, but Austin was a place where, well, one, it was nice to be closer to my family in yeah. San Antonio, but I didn't really know much about the Austin scene, and so when I came here, it seemed like there was a lot of transplants, and then there was this weird, kind of like... I think growing pains between the mm-hmm. old guard and the new people, which was understandable. And 
both sides of the equation were like there was the extremes of like uh you know like fuck them we're taking over on the other side it's like mm-hmm. we hate you <laughs> right yeah and I, I just i knew it's like there's you're both right <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know so i would try to go out of my way to make friends with like both sorts of people and and everyone wanted the same thing. You know, everyone wanted stage time and everyone wanted to get better at comedy. And that felt really cool. Yeah. 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 I mean, you're, you're so likable. And that was going to be my one hard hitting question because, you know, I've observed the, the old guard and how they've reacted to all the, these people coming in to Austin and how there's this friction. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to, to get your take on well as some one of those that have come in what do you make of this this friction and that's also my goal is to interview more and more of the people that have been coming in because if i don't then you know it's like well i'm not really giving us a a, um accurate (coughs) scene accurate depiction of what the austin comedy scene is like right so so i don't know it it felt like each person, each group had fair points. Yeah. It was, it was, uh, there was like a basic respect thing that I think most comedians like inherently want. Yeah. You know, like who are these new people to move in after we built this from yeah. the ground up? And, you know, and at the same time, if you're a new person, it's like, well, I want to do comedy and I moved across the country to do it. Yeah. So honestly, yeah. no one's going to stop me from doing that. But I think the best way that benefits everybody is, like, you know, um, helping each other out. The difference, it seems like, there's, it seems like the old guard, kind of similar to L.A. was there's, like, an alt scene and there was a club scene. Mm -hmm. And the alt scene was, like, I think there was, like, misconceptions on, like, what, which each represented, and yeah. now we've got this whole, like, political, like, what do you mean by that? <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, 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 um, so I've been trying to make an effort to, I, I think it benefits everybody if we come together on some things. Yeah. And then at the same time, you have to be like, you know, it's okay if they don't like me immediately, and... That's, you know, some things are, are your, like a basic respect, I think is the key to, mm-hmm. to, because it would benefit everybody if everybody's benefiting from each other's shows and spots. Right. Everyone just wants to get on stage and be funny, right? So, yeah. It's, um, it's a balance. I think the answer is a balance of, uh, respect and, uh, helping out people that you wouldn't normally go out of your way to help out. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Well, <laughs> and remember, anyone listening to this, Dylan is very likable, and you know it's important that he it's is well liked. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you've grown out of the. Yeah, no. <laughs> that, now you don't this care. Is, yeah, this is my <laughs> this is my stage where I get to be an asshole, and I'm <laughs> loving it. <laughs> uh, you uh, have gotten booked on some some big shows, and you you know a lot of the the typical process for somebody uh, growing into a scene is booking is creating their own show is that something that 
you have interest in? Not at all. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I've done that and I just... I applaud, yeah, yeah, it's so much work, and I applaud anyone yeah. who does it. I just also, I tried doing it once, and I just don't <laughs> do anything. So the show had like three people. Oh, God. And they, they just came off the street. And and then it was so funny, because someone who had like booked me a, a bunch, like when I first came in, I didn't book them on the first show. And then it, I see like, uh, they like, you know, took me off their Instagram and like all oh, that gosh. sort of stuff. And I was just like, into politics, like being a comic and also throwing shows mm-hmm. always seemed like something where everyone resents you. Cause I know I resent people <laughs> <laughs> that, that I'm like, why would, after everything we've been through and, yeah. and, you know, I think it's like human, but I just want to avoid that completely. Yeah. And yeah. just like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm not good at it. Thank God I'm not good at it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So. 1.9 GPA. Yeah. yeah. Shows. If I ever do a show, I want it to just be like, I want it to be like, uh, my roommate and I were considering like doing a, like a two person show. Mm. Like our, ourselves. Yeah, yeah. So that it would eliminate all the like, I didn't get booked. Well, you didn't because it was just him and I. Yeah. <laughs> and. <laughs> Don't shoot, you know, that sort of thing. What about a podcast? Everybody's got to have a podcast, you know. I, I guess. I just know. I'm, I just, over the years, I've just said so many bad things, I'm sure. And just like, you know, I get like a whiskey in me and I'm just like, ah. I've listened to past ones and I, I just like, ah, I, I, I want to do a podcast and stuff. I, I guess I always had this idea around like, oh, the industries. They're watching your every move. Yeah. Turns out they could care less about anybody. <laughs> so, yeah, it's pretty much. <laughs> yeah, but maybe one day in the future I'll, I'll have a podcast. Yeah. So now, uh, going two years later, what do, what, um, what lessons does Dylan have for, uh, kind of going back to that idea of the networking, you know, these opportunities that you had with big names in the industry? How do you keep working the game of uh, not not completely losing the momentum of those opportunities that you had, especially the the twenty twenty one? Right. I don't know. You don't know. <laughs> oh <laughs> I don't, man, I was hoping I, well, you would. The social like social media is obviously important, yeah. and um, yeah, just staying on people's radar. Yeah, I think that's like the main way, and. Like, cause I've had things from like friends of friends have given me like, um, if, if they see you a lot, then you'll be on their minds, but it's a balance of like, at least in my mind, I don't know how it actually is cause I haven't figured it out yet, <laughs> but, but of like being there, but also there's a fine line of where you get into annoying territory mm-hmm. and trying to stay not annoying, but around. Yeah. Yeah. I have no idea what that answer is, but yeah, but yeah, and then you just talk to people, and I think try to put yourself out there in life and a little bit online. I need to get better about that sort of stuff. Yeah. Do you see yourself using that film degree, much as it was, uh, in some way? Because that just you know the 
stand-up comic. Eventually, you you see them in in movies. They they write their own movies. Uh, you know, I'm thinking of the Adam Sandler, the David Spades. You know, is that something that you think about calling up the whatever you learned? Yeah, absolutely. There are some really like beneficial classes that I took, or just like things you could study and. Um, yeah, I, I hope to use those in the future. And even with the videos I do, I was like, oh, I know I could make this a little better yeah. than just like than average, I guess, you know, yeah. if I, if I were to just think about it and put a little more detail into it. So I guess just learning to think like that and like just watching stuff that you really like and that you find interesting and mm-hmm. trying to replicate that in like your own, your own way. Yeah. But we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're going to start wrapping up. Is there anything we haven't talked about that you want people to know about you? Oh, gosh. Um, I'm not a very complex individual. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I had a, <laughs> I wish I had like the story, <laughs> but <laughs> I'm pretty, I'm pretty plain Jane. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, <laughs> sorry. That was such an underwhelming yeah. answer. <laughs> Well, I know that I was uh, very, very happy to watch you on the home base show. That was my first introduction to seeing your comedy. And I was very lucky that you agreed to do my, my you know, my little uh, show. Out that was here. a blast. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you have a fan for life and, uh, you know, the, the teenager set here that this is my roommate (laughs) (laughs) so we definitely hope that you keep uh you know landing these these uh these opportunities and and keep getting bigger and bigger notoriety and fame and all that good stuff well thank you so much (laughs) and i hope the same things for me (laughs) (laughs) no for real thank you so much for having me on So I have a closing question that I like to ask, and that is one word to describe your future. Um, Oh, uh, wow. One word to describe future. Um, Car wreck. No, car wrecks too. (laughs) (laughs) I would say uh, uh, um, realizations maybe. I have no idea. I try to sound smart, and I just, I, I, that was like the only three syllable one I knew. And I think it doesn't count with like, yeah, I don't know. Well, one of my favorites that I've ever gotten was oof. So, oh, that's we'll take anything. That's so we'll great. Take- Damn it. <laughs> All right. Do you want to redo? Do you want to come up with like a grunting? Yeah, yeah. Um, brooding or, 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 or no, I'll, um, meh. Meh. <laughs> a meh future. Okay. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> well, that is a wrap on Comedy Wham presents Dylan Sullivan. Tell us where we can find you on social media and promote away. Um, yeah. So on basically, I have an Instagram. It's, uh, Dylan Ray Soul on Instagram. You can find me there. Uh, I sporadically post. <laughs> and as for things that are coming up, not much. Uh-oh. Book but, him. Book but, him. But, yeah, book me. Please. <laughs> <laughs> I'm begging you. God. <laughs> 
Well, we hope you've enjoyed learning about how Dylan got to be the very likable comedic genius that you heard today, just as much as I have. This has been Comedy Way and presents Dylan Sullivan. I'm Valerie, and that's been funny. Thank you, Dylan. Thank you, Valerie.